This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutiaman Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, we're going to tell about our encounters with Joan Cusack, Oprah. Harry Connick Jr. And JFK Jr. And talking all over And talking all over each other. <laughs> And we're going to talk about whether you should tell somebody to calm down or not. That's the next Back to You. And listen to Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Relax. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Okay, Dave, we uh, have a funny man on the line. Uh, uh, Dan, I'm sure they, he loves that. That I pretty, Hey, funny guy, <laughs> tell us some jokes, hey, okay? Hey, be funny. Uh, please welcome to the show a local Chicago boy, comedian, Abby Sanchez. Uh, this week, uh, Abby's featured performer at Zanies. And, and by the way, first of all, how nice is it to finally have a comedy club open again? Zanies is a local treasure. If you're from Chicago, you know that it's like the comedy pinnacle of Chicago, isn't it? Uh yeah, man, it's where you want to work if you're uh if you're a comedian come up in Chicago. Zanies is a spot. I mean, you just look at the wall and yeah, yeah. and you see all the, the greats that have worked there. I'm pretty sure that club turned into night at the museum at the night and uh all the comics just come back on stage with the big blazers and telling old jokes <laughs> right. and all the ones that hated each other you were never funny god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> calling each other hacks yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, mu- it must have been pretty tough uh, during this pandemic no comedy clubs open i mean how did you how did you get by um a lot of tv there's really okay. <laughs> really nothing else for me to do i mean uh even just thinking of jokes was just was difficult because everyone's experiencing the exact same thing and then even on social media everyone had their own takes on it so it was like all right well i got nothing fresh to say about this and yeah that's been done every that's single person done. yeah <laughs> well aren't you like, like my airplane food aren't you like more most comedians just steal it steal something from a meme <laughs> and just do it do a shtick on it oh no i i have been taking screenshots of everyone's funnier status i'm like these are funny i'm gonna use this one there you go <laughs> exactly. what are they gonna do to you uh yeah you, so you're a chicago boy you're uh you know you grew up puerto rican in chicago uh, you know how yes, is how is chicago and just your upbringing and your culture how does how is that I don't know, kind of uh, created the sensibilities that have allowed you to, uh, you know, be who you are, be a funny guy. I mean, how has it affected you? Um, well, especially like for me, I wasn't, like, I, I am Puerto Rican, but I didn't grow up with like the typical Puerto Rican where they listen to soft music every Saturday. Like <laughs> my mom, I was a single, like raised by a single mom. She worked retail, so her hours were all goofy. So I was really just in, um, raised by TV. And yeah. it's, it's kind of weird, like a lot of the stuff I have, like, I mean, I got into shows that people didn't like, like MASH. Like, people in my generation aren't fans of MASH, but I liked it. For some reason, I thought it was witty. 
But then I mm-hmm. had like Sanford and Son and all these other like the Jeffersons. <laughs> so I grew up with like these old racist guys. <laughs> 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 up and then, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I had Bill Cosby teach me how to be a man and stuff. So it's been <laughs> whoops. Well, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> up to a certain point and that, that yeah, went bad. Until, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, up until we learned everything. But yeah, it, I mean, yeah, the sweater's uh, fine. You <laughs> go beyond the yeah, sweaters. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Slipping no, a Mickey, not so funny anymore. <laughs> I should say. I should say Cliff Huxable, not so much Bill Cosby. Right, there Cliff you go. Cliff Huxable showed me. Like, he was a doctor. Idiot. He was a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> it was nothing shady about him doing a lot of his basement. <laughs> you know, uh, you've done a ton of shows here in Chicago, but you've also gone and done shows around the country now. So you kind of have a feel for the differences between the different regions in, in America. What is it about Chicago audiences that is different than the rest of the country? Um, where Chicago is like the heart of the Midwest. So we have those those Midwest sensibilities where we're kind of blue collar and we kind of like that blue material a little bit. We can appreciate it a little bit more. And then like where I go to New York and it's like it's got to be it feels like you got to be intellectual and like there's no people think you're punching down if you say certain things and all this other stuff. But Chicago, we're kind of like. Hey man, we're a city, but also we we have a lot of family that's in the Midwest. We know how we grew up. We're all you know pretty blue collar about it. So it, for me, I think that Chicago is the best place to do comedy because we have all those influences from major cities and small towns mm-hmm. that are so close to us. So it's, I think it, it it breeds a better comic because we can reach those different people. So we can hit up the city, and we can hit up Camo Country where everyone's just decked out, like, ready to, you know, go for duck hunting and stuff like that. <laughs> we can still teach, you know, reach them. Uh, oh, camel. I thought you said camel. I thought you were no, doing camel. a whole, like, yeah. a, a Muslim <laughs> racist So thing how was your Saudi Arabian tour <laughs> doing? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really weird. Once you get, like, maybe 50 miles outside Chicago, everybody just dressed up trying to hide from each other it's really yeah (laughs) you know that it is kind of true when we went to school david and went to school at university of illinois in champagne and that's like uh it's like going to alabama (laughs) yeah it's like a lot of people say you know uh, chicago they make fun of indiana from chicago but i'm like if you go outside of chicago everything's indiana (laughs) yeah yeah, that's that's very true you you know i also think something about chicagoans we can laugh at ourselves you know yeah Uh, pretty unpretentious yeah you know the weather sucks we know it you know potholes everywhere you know (laughs) crooked politicians the whole thing like yeah that's us what are you gonna get it all we get we get droughts in the summer and then we get negative (laughs) yeah right 30 in the winter so like we don't know what to do so we just like left everything and just laugh at it yeah i also think that chicago has a very well-developed bullshit meter you know where like you can you can tell somebody is full of shit immediately because you yeah. have you have to you have to tell like it you have to be who you authentically are here yeah because we can see it immediately when you're not yeah i mean you can't come into chicago and act pretentious because like we know you're not that <laughs> right you know, like, exactly get away from us you're not this person and you're a jag off yeah. that's what you are <laughs> uh, and we're, we're we're quick to to humble you if you get out of line we're yeah, very quick that's to, true like, put you in your place you know uh so i was checking and by the way for our listeners out there you've got some great stuff on youtube yeah. uh just oh, really you. really funny guy top notch stuff uh i saw a bit or read an article about I guess when you were young, you were a little heavy. I think a fat kid you even referred to yourself as, maybe? Yeah, it was, I, was, I was pushing 180 at like 10 years old. I was a little heavy. <laughs> wow. Oh, that is fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and I wasn't tall, so it wasn't like it was 
distributed well. <laughs> well, Rick and I, uh, now that we're blitzkrieging through our middle age years, we've decided, and we were skinny, scrawny, uh, scrawny kids growing yeah. up. Um, we like to call ourselves skinny fat kids because we we still had a little belly, but now we are totally on full fledged fat. Yeah, we are totally on the fat bandwagon <laughs> yeah. right now. As a former fat kid, are there any upsides? I mean, is there anything anything that we could look forward to this other than heart disease? I mean, <laughs> no. As a kid, you cannot grow it. As an adult, it's just going to get worse. So you guys are screwed. You guys oh, really should have no. <laughs> <Damn laughs> maintained a lot better because you guys are fucked right now. <laughs> uh, as a fat kid, what was your fat kid food that you went to? I mean, what? I mean, was there a particular um, can- candy bar that you? A payday, a marathon uh, bar, anything? What was your? What was your? I was heavy into uh, Snickers, but I put them in the freezer, so I, I love the frozen Snickers bar. Nice. And yeah. uh, as far as like other like the original chicken sandwich from Burger King, the one looks like a little sub, like a little hoagie. Yeah, roll, the, cr- the, the with the mayonnaise oh, and lettuce yeah, and, yeah. and just breaded. Like oh, uh, oh, I, would, yeah. I would murder those, and it was just that, that's what attributed to it. <laughs> yeah, those are like 7,000 calories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then I'd, I would also eat frosting like with my finger, like I would just dip into it. Like, I was, right. I was going hard. <laughs> now, uh, you have uh, d- done some of these big tours, and I know that you uh, caught the eye of Kevin Hart, and you're going to be featured on his network, and I think maybe you already are featured on Can you little tell us yeah. a little bit about how, how he discovered you and, and that how that relationship came to be? Well, um, they did a uh, Just for Laughs audition here at the Laugh Factory in Chicago. And um, so they usually pick for their new faces, which is like their marquee event, like we're discovering new comics. So I auditioned for that, but then um, I, they needed to fill out um, some shows that they were doing for Kevin Hart's Live Network because he wanted to create more content. So they picked me and a, like about six or seven other guys from Chicago, other comics from Chicago, and we all kind of just infiltrated Montreal one year, hmm. and um, we just we all taped for TV, had two shows, they flew us out, they put us up in a hotel room, which was great because even the new faces don't get that. So it was yeah. like, all right, well, Kevin Hart's got money behind them, so. yeah, right? Well, and then uh, what we did just you, what? I don't know if anything's been released yet or anything. What did you steal from the hotels? <laughs> um, I got a lot of towels. I'm very big on towels <laughs> that because I, like, I, I'm still kind of heavy, so I sweat a lot. So I take a lot of the hand towels to, <laughs> to keep with me on the street. Now, you, you, know, you talk about going there with these other comics. I know comics kind of tend to hang out with other comics, but uh, also, Dave and I have noted, we've, we know a lot of comics. Uh, other comics are quick to criticize <laughs> each other. You guys are a cynical <laughs> bunch of bastards. Yeah. I was watching a, uh, a Jerry Seinfeld. When, you ever watch his comedians in cars getting coffee? Yeah. And there was one, I forget which comedian he was talking to, and they started talking about uh, a, like a legendary comic that had a legendary uh, dying on stage <laughs> moment. And they were just gleeful. Giddy. They were giddy. Gleeful about it. Can you oh, explain we love that? a great bomb. We, we, because we know what it's like to do that. And yeah. when we can be outside of ourselves and see someone else go through it, it's yeah. just like, oh, this is great. Especially we... <laughs> If we don't like the guy or the person, the comic already, we're like, oh, this is even better. Like, yeah. it's just, we we take joy in pain, <laughs> which is why we come out and tell jokes. 
yeah. try to make people laugh. But I well, mean, just to see somebody bomb, and if you're cool with them, is even better because you just give them shit all day. Yeah. Well, Rick and I <laughs> and are Ger- Rick and I are German, so we love when other th- people fail. Yeah, it's I mean, a, we have a, the, the shot in is we got a word for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially if the crowd's already just been kind of like shitty to begin with uh-huh. and then now you just see someone have an epic bomb like oh you tried to do it? okay this is great like we're just gonna keep watching oh, that's awesome <laughs> like, yeah like there's one person laughing like crazy in the back and it's the other comedian <laughs> oh that's that's a lot of time. if you hear it's quiet and one person laughing it's guaranteed it's a comedy <laughs> because we think that like it's even like we think that joke's funny and it's we don't understand why no one else does, but it's just funny to see the comic struggle. Like, yeah. all right, I don't know where to go. Like, <laughs> I hit you with my best punch, and now you're just still. <laughs> right, you, you know, he like, just gave his best line, and he's got nothing the rest of the way. Yeah, like, we just, just see him struggling, and that's when he comes like, how are we doing in Chicago? <laughs> like, all right. How about struggling. those deep dish pizza? Huh? <laughs> Uh, grasping yeah you're gonna make a great father you got any kids (laughs) (laughs) who in your mind who is your Mount Rushmore of comedians who do you think are the best and who do you try to emulate your style who do you who do you compare it to um it would closest would be Dave Chappelle where Mm -hmm. like I try to be a little insightful and then like silly where he's got some random bits that don't fit in um and just the just the comfortability on stage. I try to emulate that. Um, Eddie Murphy. I remember as a kid, I saw Eddie Murphy raw in the theater. Oh yeah. That, that, was, just, that was something that just blew me away. I mean, just his ability to tell a story is something that I would love to have. I'm not a great storyteller, but do you wear the full, the full length, uh, leather jumpsuit? <laughs> uh, no, cause I was still a fat kid. So I just, <laughs> uh, there's no way I could fit into that. You it could probably easy. sweat it off wearing that though. Yeah. With, your, with your, with your hotel towels. I'd have to kill towels. a couple cows. If you have a couple <laughs> cows, I would have to die for that jacket. Or, or that suit. Yeah, those those are those are good ones. Yeah. Good. yeah. <laughs> what about a George Carlin, uh, uh, Richard Pryor? Um, too old for too long ago. Yeah, I, for like, because I, I watch Richard Pryor and I'm like, I, like I, I laugh, but I don't see him as like one of the greats because I didn't grow up in that time. Mm-hmm. For me, right. it, didn't, it didn't impact me because I'm seeing it as an adult, so it doesn't impact me. Um, trying to think of like Louis C.K. was great to me. Yeah. Like, I just just the way he would just say things like, "Oh wow, you just called his daughter that? That's great." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, and Joe Coy, Joe Coy. Now, I mean, I don't know. Just his ability, just to, just to, just to talk, and then just have people laugh at just his and his theatrics and all that, like just his stories as well. I get really jealous of storytellers because I, I want to have that ability to yeah, engage they, an audience. So it's like anybody that can tell a great story and make me laugh the entire way through it. It's someone I I truly admire. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And that's all you know. All good content is are good storytelling, right? I mean. Theater, yeah. movies, songs, the whole thing. Hey, I don't yeah, know if because you, I mean you can relate to it. Yeah, you know I don't know if you've noticed this, but we're living in kind of a strange time right now. Uh, <laughs> what? No, yeah, I know, right? Uh, uh, you know, so we're 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 grappling with social justice and racial justice, and you know, obviously we're in a crazy partisan political environment too. Um, you know, is this? Are you a half full guy or a half empty guy? During these times, I mean, is it easier to perform when everybody is, you know, kind of stressed out and, 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 you know, have the same common angst or, I mean, is this, tell us about, yeah, tell us about. I think it is. I think it is easier to perform because a lot of the, um, you go in with tension and if someone, you can make someone laugh and then like 
you notice that every like if you notice that everyone else around you is laughing, you'll kind of right. loosen up. The, mm-hmm. That person will kind of loosen up. So then that way you can be like, okay, it's a little stress relief, and then it's uh, it it's it the crowd is more engaged. Like all right, this guy. As long as you're not saying anything that's completely flagrant, and they're like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. fuck white people. You know, like, you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, but there are minefields, right? I mean, the oh, you know, the, in, are, in this politically correct world that we're in right now. Uh, do you ever worry about stepping over the line? Uh, no, because I'm Puerto Rican, so I kind of get away with. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Like, <laughs> no, but also, and then it's for me. I, I tell people like. I, I'm a gateway minority where I kind of look like I might be a white guy. And all of a sudden you hear like the things are like, Oh, wait a minute. I kind of like this guy. <laughs> so I can, I can kind of play both fields, but I don't ever tread anything that's going to, that I know is divisive because at the end of the day, people are there to escape what's happening outside the doors of the yeah. comedy club. Right. And they just want to laugh. So they don't want to be browbeaten over the fact that like this is happening in the world. Yeah. They would love to see uh, a humorous take on it. But they don't want to be made felt feel guilty while they're sitting there trying to laugh, you know. And it's sometimes a, a, some comics can be too woke where they go too far, and it's like none of that's even funny. You're just venting, right? And you're laughing at your own material. It's, it's not funny. So you got to find a way to to navigate and to make everyone feel comfortable. Because I mean, the main goal is to leave whatever you had at the door and then come in, laugh for an hour, hour and a half, and then go back out and then face the world with a hopefully a better disposition than you came in with. And and you mentioned Dave Chappelle. I think he is somebody who manages to do that somehow, you know, and I'm also a huge fan of his. He has, he he tackles some pretty serious topics. Yeah, I was just watching the special other day and he did like a Michael Jackson bit. Yeah. It's like, all right. (laughs) But then he listened to it like, that's pretty logical. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, every comic has a comeback for when they get heckled, you know, waiting in their back pocket. A buddy of mine is a, a comic, and he used to do, uh, hey, you doing anything later? I'm going hunting for assholes, and I could use a decoy. <laughs> you know, I'm sure <laughs> I, I'm sure you have something, like, just ready, just in case there's that drunk asshole in the side of the stage who just keeps you, you're not funny, yeah, I mean, where's your spray paint can, yeah, or whatever, what, yeah. yeah. What do you do? Um, honestly, I don't have anything. I kind of just, I see what's happening and I just react to it or I just power through. Like I, my big thing is like, I don't care what the audience has to say. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm there with, I'm there with a the microphone. You're obviously there to see, like to see me perform, not me specifically, but to see someone perform. Right. So I kind of just power through. And if you don't give that power to the audience, cause then all of a sudden they decide they want to respond back. And now you the show's about them. Oh, I kind of like that. Like, so, I kind of just like, I, and I gloss over it and then hopefully like the club will take care of it. But, and I also, I don't really get heckled too much. Cause I don't, I don't leave room for anyone to, to talk back. Ah, I, just keep, go. I just mm. keep going through. I just keep hitting with jokes. And then like, hopefully the audience just pays attention to me and doesn't uh, worry about it. Cause I'm, I'm narcissistic that way where I just, I don't want any attention to go back onto the audience. Right. This is my so show, not ask, your show. I, yeah. yeah. I don't even ask questions. I just, like, right. How you doing? I don't give a fuck. Doing <laughs> well, Here's how I'm doing. Well, yeah. and I, I love the way that you're on stage too. You kind of, you know, you have that cadence, that kind of pace up and down the, the stage and you kind of look at your shoes and that brought into that one bit that you did about the reason why, 
white people don't care about their shoes is because they're always looking forward yet all the minorities yeah. are because they're they're always <laughs> downtrodden. Down, yeah, down, yeah, we're, we're downtrodden. We're just all we notice is people's shoes. Like, oh, those are clean. I like those. And then, <laughs> it's uh, a you can see a pothole and you just jump over right. it and like you don't get mud on them. <laughs> right. So, That's funny. Yeah. You'll never step into a puddle. <laughs> right. No, we just yeah because we, we're constantly we got to make sure these are clean. Because right. one thing about like uh, minorities, we we slide you up and it's always from the feet down, feet up. So we look at your shoes, and we look up to see what's going on the rest of you. Oh, all right. Well, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to keep that in mind the next time I, <laughs> I meet one of you minority types. You know. <laughs> yeah, we're out there. I don't know if you've, uh, if you've seen. And news, we don't often see you, but we've heard, we've read, we read. <laughs> Some people say that you're all over the place. <laughs> we're we're uh, reading. We're good readers. <laughs> so if someone's someone sees your name on the marquee, right? They're walking down the street. Uh, you know, what would you tell them about what you can expect? Right, we talked a lot about what you know what your uh, act is, but give us a little yeah. uh, elevator pitch. You know uh, um, what what you're going to see if you see your show. You're going to see an aggravated observationalist. So oh. someone that just sees things and is like, you know what? There's a problem with this. Yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna and I'm gonna relate to you because I'm very relatable in every way. Because like I said, I grew up on American like TV, so um, I I know about the, all the different cultures that you know that are in the, in the world or in our country at least. And I can, I feel like I can just, I eliminate all the things that separate us and I focus on the things that can make us relatable. So you're going to, you're going to see a big dude that you're kind of intimidated by, but you're like, man, I, I relate to this guy. Like he, he says things, he's got things that like make you nudge your person next to you. Like, man, this is the shit I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so I, my goal is to put words to your thoughts. Ooh, the things that like, man, I was thinking, of, I was thinking the same thing, but I didn't know how to say it. And then I say, it, you know, like, that's what my, my goal is. You know what I, what I love about uh, your approach and this is just, you know, uh, self aggrandizement here, but, uh, Pandora. you know, no, I mean the fact that you, you're a kid that was raised on TV. Dave and I also are kids that were raised on TV. We're, you know, we're older than you. So, but we also grew up watching reruns from an era before us. Mm-hmm. Like Dave and I grew up watching yeah. like the Dick Van Dyke show and the Andy Griffith show, even though, you know, those shows aired before we were born. Um, and, and it, it developed our sense of humor so we could appeal to a, uh, you know, an older age group too, because that are now fat, old fat guys, because, <laughs> because we grew up watching the same stuff that they grew up right. watching. So you can relate to somebody our age, even though you're so much younger. Yeah. Because like I said, like even just the show mash, like I hear the theme song and it's like, oh, okay, I got to wake up because <laughs> I got, it's time for bed. You know what I'm saying? Like I have to start winding down, but it. I feel like TV is a great uniter as long as there's not something overly racist on it like sure. you're watching, but right. you don't want nobody in blackface on TV. But Yeah, and you don't want to um, do too much uh, praise of Bill Cosby. Yeah. Right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I took my praise of Cliff Huxley. That guy was fine. Well, uh, as a little tip, if you really want to see some really racist shit, Watch old Disney cartoons from like World War II. Oh, and they're yes. just terrible. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's oh, well, yeah, it's all. Wasn't that. A, Di- a Daffy Duck? Wasn't he fighting Nazis at one point? Like he was. Uh, oh yeah. I forgot where. They, there was a there was a club that I was at that were playing old cartoons and they they showed a Daffy Duck and he was just running around killing Nazis like this is crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I didn't know that Daffy Duck was involved in the war. This yeah, people, but, well, those Nazis right? were asking for it. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, they were kind of dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Fred, I don't know if you ever saw. Uh, f- there's a, a Fred Flintstone cartoon where the, him and Barney are smoking cigs. 
Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're, they're letting... Weren't they? Didn't they at one point also do commercials for cigarettes? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Hey, Freddie, I love <laughs> this new uh, filtered taste. Yeah, because yeah, I remember, I remember all that. Because even growing up, you know, we had reruns. Like I was watching you know, old Happy Days and stuff like that. Yeah, it was black and white. So it was, we need a cable. Is what I was saying. We didn't have. <laughs> gotcha. We didn't have a lot of new content. It was a lot of reruns. <laughs> Me TV. All right, we have to take a break, but Minutia Man will be right back. On the next episode of And Friends, <laughs> we play the game of life. Talking daddies. Oh, dad jokes to sexy daddies. Daddies are a game. Technology's a game. Love is a game. All that and more this week on And Friends. <laughs> And Friends is not responsible for what you and your daddy do, whether it be your daddy or not your daddy. Do diddy wah, diddy wah, do do. Listen to And Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. On this week's Minutia Man with Rick and Dave, impregnating identical twins. Somebody who really hates Tom Brady. Dr. Fauci baseball card. My brush with a 1980s movie star. And a snippet from our interview with comedian Abby Sanchez. All that in unlimited tangents. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back. Well, I, if people want to see, how, how can they follow you? Get your uh, get your plugs out there, your social media, what have you. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Abby Sanchez Comedy. And uh, Facebook is Abby Sanchez, and then also we have I have a podcast that I do is called Legal Aliens. Hmm. You can uh, you can listen on in on that. It's a pretty fun podcast. Kind of anything that I'm scared to say on stage, <laughs> I'll just say it in podcast because there's no audience there. It's just there like oh, shit. Uh, then everything's in hindsight. Like, man, I probably should not have said that. Yeah, you could always just delete it. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah you've got but, the edit button on the podcast. Yeah, luckily for me, I'm not popular enough to get canceled, so it, it's still working out for me. Well, we're number like, and last time I checked, we were like number 67 in Costa Rica. Oh yeah. So uh, go to Costa Rica. This is huge for you. <laughs> yeah. And they don't even understand English. That's fantastic. Right. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for being on the show. This has been a fun chat. Yeah, you know, it's been great. We're we're fans of your comedy. Keep it up. You're doing a great uh, job. Thank you guys. Man. You're I'm you're sure. a uh, so tribute to uh, our our hometown of Chicago. Yeah, right. That's what I try to do. I take Chicago everywhere I go. All right, one last question. Cubs or Sox fan? Or do you care? Cubs fan. Cubs yeah, all right. Fuck yeah. <laughs> We're a mixed marriage, Dave and I. <laughs> Thanks very yeah, much. And for... I don't even, once Sox fans, like, they keep saying the Cubs suck, I'm like, I don't even get into that. And you know what? It's, we got a World Series. I don't care about anything anybody says anymore. You know, I, I wrote a book called Every Cub Ever. It's about every Cub that ever played. Would you like a copy yeah, of it? Yeah, we'd love to send it to we'll you. We'll send it to you. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll okay. It. <laughs> um, all right. We'll. we'll uh, yeah. Um, I'll text you. Get your uh, address. We can send it to you. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Yeah, for, thanks for being on the show. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take it easy. All right. Bye bye. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O p p i h shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla, Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it's just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com.
And we will be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opi Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we discuss the final week of the Premier League season. We'll talk about the winners and we'll talk about the losers. Top four, bottom three. So listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we talk about a special order family station wagon that recently sold, plus the way to overland in style. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>